Hello, and welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. Every week we'll cover one of the many reported cases of reincarnation, so we can bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But before we go too much further, I'd like to thank Raphael Crux for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Before we cover today's case, I just want to warn people that in this episode we'll be discussing the murder of a toddler. And we do discuss some of the disturbing aspects of the murder, plus we also look at the incident through Atlas's memories. We also cover injuries that occurred during a car accident, and that may also be confronting to some people. So just be warned that there is some content in this episode that you may find upsetting, and some people may prefer not to listen. We also talk about people in the African-American community, and I just wanted to let you know I am aware that some people might not be comfortable with the term African-American, as they feel it isn't a good description of the community as a whole. I think I can safely speak for Erica Aubrey and myself when I say that in using this term, we mean it only as a respectful identification of an amazing group of people. So I apologise if you find our usage upsetting and I'd love for you to get in touch with me via my email reincarnationplr at gmail.com if there's a better descriptive term I can use so I get it right for next time. But to come back to our case today, in March 2005, Corrine Washington and her partner, James Robinson, were juggling their very busy work schedules. Realising that their timetable was going to be difficult, they decided to leave their little son, Jalen, with a local babysitter, Tammy Williams. A deeply religious Brooklyn woman, Tammy Williams was paid by the city to care for children and she was well known in the area as a trusted babysitter. Jalen's grandmother, Michelle Israel, commented that Tammy used to babysit everyone's kids. It was like a little daycare centre. Tammy was also a friend of Karine's to the point where she'd been named as Jalen's godmother. So Corrine felt very comfortable about leaving him with Tammy for a week while she and James worked. Knowing the background of the friendship between Corrine and Tammy, it's even more perplexing to understand how things went so tragically wrong. Corrine was shocked when she received a call from Tammy Williams, informing her that Jalen was at the hospital, and then she had a later conversation with Tammy where she explained that Jalen was dead. According to her statement at the time, goaded by Jalen's constant crying and screaming, Williams covered Jalen's mouth with duct tape, stabbed his feet with scissors, and beat the little boy before he passed away from suffocation. As if these events weren't horrific enough, this assault occurred in front of Tammy Williams' own daughter, who was nine at the time of the murder. Nine years later, and almost a thousand miles away, a young woman was seeking medical assistance about her son's relentless and upsetting night terrors. Join us now as we talk to Erica Aubrey about her son Atlas's memories. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, not a problem. So just to give my listeners a bit of an idea about your background and the beliefs that you had before anything happened with Atlas, um, were you a believer in reincarnation? No, I wasn't, but I had heard of it and it sounded interesting, but I had never really gotten into like understanding it or anything. So you've got other kids. Have any of your other kids shown any signs of having past life memories? 
Um, no, they have never said anything. It's unusual, you know, how he said that, you know, I had heard of online stories or something like, oh, a child remembered this past life. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know if it's true or not, you know, because I, I didn't happen to me. So I wasn't sure if that was, you know, true stories or whatever. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things that until you actually do have something like this happen, you probably wouldn't really think a great deal. Because as you said, you were actually brought up in a Christian family as I was, yeah. and it just, it wasn't really covered, was it? No. And actually, I remember when I was a child, of, I was like uh, playing with my dog. And I remember saying to my mom, when I die, I hope I come back as a dog. And my mom was like, don't say that. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, you know, I got in trouble. People often say to me, well, how come some kids have reincarnation memories and some don't? So, you know, it's not like a standard thing across everybody. But I think in cases like Atlas, where you've been through something incredibly traumatic, there's a feeling of unfinished business, you know? Since Atlas's story, I've read different theories and things like that. And it is weird, you know, some kids remember and some kids don't, but I feel like maybe everybody does have it. We just don't, it's like blocked, right? In our minds and and as you grow older, the less you remember. Yeah, exactly. Unless something happens to kind of trigger you, because I have spoken to adults who came across their memories as adults. Uh, Dr. Tucker had talked with me about how when Atlas remembered his past life, he was kind of staring out our car window, like zoned out. And he thinks he was sometimes like highway hypnosis, sedated, you know, like because it was like raining outside and cloudy and he was like staring out the window for like when we we're on the highway and then he just blurted it out, you know, like when kids are like really relaxed and it kind of hypnotizes them like that. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I've heard a lot of people say that kids will often say things when they're just coming out of sleep or when they're just about to go to sleep or when they're in the bath, you know, when they're relaxed and a little bit dreamy, you know, mm -hmm. seems to be when they, the memories come. For your case, Atlas didn't actually say anything at first, did he? You realised something was not quite right because he started having night terrors, didn't he? Yes, he had night terrors as like a baby and toddler. And then when he had the past life memory, I kind of put them together, you know? So when he was little, it's not what I, I didn't think it was a past life, you know, memory. I didn't know what was going on, you know? Um, he just cried a lot in the night. And, you know, babies do that because he's my third child. By his one-year checkup at the doctor, like, I'm like, he has yet to sleep through the night still. And it seemed like he was not just waking up like, like babies do, but he would just wake up and be in like a fit, like he was hurt and he would be screaming, like in pain. And then as he got a little bit older, he would be saying like, ouch, ow, it hurts saying that stuff but his eyes would not be open but he would be talking and kicking and thrashing and like he'd be going on for like half an hour you know doing this sometimes his eyes would be a little bit open or not all the way open and he would say ouch ouch my legs my legs hurt ow something's hurting me he would act like he was in pain I would sit with him in the night you know like trying to talk him out of it I would have to sometimes you know Atlas you're at home you're at your house and mom is here and you are here. And sometimes it would help him calm down. Like if I would try to start talking about like, you're here, you're in your home and you're Atlas. And I it would help him like calm down a little bit. Yeah. Cause I thought maybe he was having a nightmare and he couldn't get out of it or something. Cause I couldn't understand why he was doing this. And it was happening 
like three to four times a night. It was keeping us all awake. We're all tired for work and school. And, you know, you know, I was like, what do I do? You know, he's screaming all the time. Like something is wrong with him. Poor little guy. I mean, what a terrible thing to have the memory of. It's interesting. He said about his feet and legs, because I did look up the case when speaking to you and she did actually torture him a little bit, didn't she? She stabbed him in the feet with a pair of scissors, apparently. Yes. Yes. And that's what made me really think. I, when I saw stabbed with the scissors, I'm like, that's awful because, you know, he did always complain, like his legs hurt. And I thought maybe he was having growing pains, you know, like, you know, like that's what I thought at first, but he was always complaining about his legs hurting or his feet hurting. Like he was struggling, you know, he was like, he would just be saying, ow, ow. And like, he could like, he'd be holding his breath. And like, so it's, it is scary, you know, and he, during the day, he was a very um, emotional child and he seemed like he had anxiety because I felt like at two years old, he started chewing his nails down. Right. Like, you know, and that worried me that he was chewing his nails. I'm like, why is he chewing his nails? Like at two, what's he nervous about? And he was scared of shadows. And he was just very hesitant and nervous about everything. Yeah, I was going to ask you if he, now in retrospect, looking back, did he show any signs of something that might be indicating a past life? The the nightmares and the leg thing. And then like, I guess just being nervous and cautious, like maybe because he had those scary dreams or had that happen, it made him like, I don't know, cautious about things. I don't know, because he was like jumpy at like anything so you know I don't know it just made him seem maybe more nervous or and since he was too starting that you know he couldn't maybe vocalize I had a nightmare and it was of this you know so he was just like having anxiety I guess because I mean I took him to a doctor and he ended up seeing a therapist it didn't like do anything you know they just thought he was stressed out and I'm like what's stressing him out you know I'm like I have two other children and you know they don't have this issue so because they thought it was like household issues and I don't know (laughs) well actually I'm glad that you had the other two children because you would have known what normal upbringing for a child would be because I think kids who have these memories can often exhibit some quite surprising and perplexing behavior right I'm also a preschool teacher so so I've worked with children for about 12 years now so so I guess (laughs) I kind of like always listen to children like that's kind of like what I do so when he said something, you know, I listened. I'm glad you did, actually, because I think that's one of the reasons I want to do the podcast is I want people to understand and to get the knowledge out there that, you know, when these kids say these things, as you've said, your own family members were often a bit difficult about it and thought it was demons. And, you know, I want people to understand that it's actually nothing to be afraid of and that it's it's a trauma they're going through, in a sense, so that they understand and can let the child talk. Because I think that's really yeah. important. Yes. Um, and I think that the reason people don't want to hear it is because you're basically telling them maybe what they believed in is not true, you know, so they don't want to feel like they're wrong. I think, you know, if their belief in this religion that doesn't believe in reincarnation, they don't want to even open their minds to it because that means they they're wrong. You're calling them wrong. You know, I think it just makes them question their own religion and it's too scary to do that. They'd rather just say, that's not true. You know, I think they just rather not believe it than, than open up their minds. Like it's too hard for them to believe. And I've always been an open-minded person, you know, so 
not that I wanted him to have and like some people have thought like are you doing this for the attention or something I'm like definitely not like I am actually not one to have the attention on them I don't like it and I'm just like a normal person you know like I'm not trying to be famous or anything I just how the story got out there was just pure like coincidence or like I didn't even mean for him to be on Netflix or anything like that you know I just thought hmm what should I do with this information and I kind of just looked up places and I found Dr. Tucker I just wrote him hey what do you think about this thing my son said and suddenly he was here with documentary crew and you know I'm like panned out like that I understand completely and and I'm glad you actually brought that up because one of the other things that um I think people need to be aware of is that you know people say, well, you're just doing this for attention or you want to make money out of it or you want to do that you know that's the thing that people don't realize that unless you write a book and even like I mean people think oh you know write a book and it's gonna you're gonna make millions you don't make a lot of money from writing books, <laughs> you know, right. so there's, it's not really something that anyone would do to make money. And there are people out there who do have like, um, uh, I don't know whether it's like a need for attention or whatever, but usually that's people who are adult talking. It's not children. Children don't think they're just telling you, you know, this is what I am seeing. I mean, and they can be imaginative, but as you said in the documentary, they use a different tone it's not like imagination. No, it was very serious. And like I, I work with children, so I kind of understand how they're talking. And I also, when I questioned Atlas about it, I've learned working with kids, like you question them, you don't, there's a certain way to talk to kids. Like if you question them, they'll start making up answers. Like if you push them, you know, because they think, oh, I just need to an answer. So in anything like a child abuse case or anything, you should never say things like, did this happen to you? Because they're like, uh, yes. And then, you know, it could be not true. So I always heard like an open-ended question where I'm like, so what do you think happened next? Like, what do you think happened to you? Or what did things look like when you went somewhere? I kind of like try to get him to remember. And then sometimes if I was, I didn't want to question him, I drill him and like scare him or make him not want to talk about it. You know, I try to be very gentle about it, I guess. So, um, cause some things, if I ask him too many questions, he would just start saying things that happened to him and like being Atlas. He would just say something he remembered that happened like a year ago. I'd like, okay, you know, I shouldn't keep asking these questions because he's, you know, getting confused. So, The kids often when they're talking about their reincarnation memories, if they're pushed about it, they tend to shut down. It's, you know, it's almost yeah. like a, I'm being naughty feeling. Yeah. And so I, did, I didn't want to like question, like I think some of the details came out throughout the next several days because I didn't want to keep pressuring him to say things because I didn't want him to say something that wasn't true but mm -hmm. you know maybe he thinks I need an answer and so he's going to make up something because some children do that like they think I have to give an answer uh, I'll just make one up you know so I didn't want him to say something that's not true so I would say you know if just whatever you remember you know if you don't just you don't you know you don't have to make things up and Cause I would just like, what do you remember about, you know, your house? And so sometimes, you know, I would say something like that. If I asked him too many things, he would just start describing our own house. So I was like, okay. <laughs> he actually didn't really speak about it at all until he was about five, did he? And that was when he popped out in the car, as you said, you were driving along. So what did he actually say when he first started talking about it? Well, I, like I said, we were just driving on the highway, like across town um, where we live and he was just staring out the window and he said, 
I miss going to the park with my mom. That's the sentence, like he said. And I was driving and it was like silent in the car. And I just said, what? <laughs> like, what do you say? And he said, I miss going to the park with my mom. And I said, me? Like, you mean me? And he said, my mom who has pretty hair. And I was joking with him. I said, oh, so I don't have pretty hair. You know, I was like, <laughs> I thought he was just being silly. I was like, what, other you have another mom? And he said, yeah, um, my mom, she has really pretty hair. She took me to the playground and I miss it. And then that's when I was like, okay, well, who is she? You know, who's this woman that's your mother? You know, I kind of thought he was still being kind of maybe silly. So I was just like asking like, who's this mother? And he said, well, you know, she's really pretty hair. She's beautiful. And she was my mom when I was um, Jalen. You know, I was like, who's Jalen? And he's like, well, I had brown skin and my mom had brown skin. And I remember she pushed me in a swing at the playground. And like, I was just like, so taken back. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like, I didn't even know what to say. I was just like, I think it was just like, in awe because you know what is he saying is this a show like is this a kid at school I was confused about what he was talking about and I said so you were another kid and your name was Jayla and you had a mom well what's her name well her name is Washington and my dad's name is Robinson and his mom is Robinson and then somebody killed me and I was Atlas you know I, I think my stomach was sick I just couldn't believe it so we, we came inside. I kept saying, what are you saying the name was? You know, Jalen Robinson. Like, okay. And I, he went upstairs and played. And I think I was just sitting here. I, took, I just sat here for a while just thinking about what he just said. Is this really happening to me? Like, did my kid just say that? You know, that's so strange. And so I think I texted his dad, which we're not together, but we're friends still. So I texted him like, do you know what your son just said? <laughs> And he thought that was interesting. And then I was Googling, I ended up just Googling Jalen Robinson death, you know, and um, I saw the obituary for Jalen. And then when I saw the mom's last name being Washington and the dad's last name Robinson, I could not believe it. I was in shock. Like, this is a real thing. And um, I had Atlas come back downstairs and there was a picture of Jalen and he just said wow you found my baby picture and I just thought oh my gosh you know this is just crazy it's just hard to believe you know like is this so matter of fact oh you found my baby picture that is totally freaky isn't it <laughs> yes <laughs> like I, I don't know how else to explain it because I think I didn't say much I was just like in shock like what <laughs> you know and so I kind of started asking him like what happened to you and see one of the biggest things he said, I think my mom killed me. And he said, I just know that I was screaming. I was kicking and crying and I was kicking and I could see a TV. That's what he says. I could see a TV and I was kicking and kicking. And then I was just kicking inside of your tummy. And he said, I think maybe it was my mom. And I'm, that makes me sad. And I told him that it was a babysitter you know, and like that made him really happy, like that it wasn't his mom. And, you know, Jalen being a 19 month old baby, you know, he only has memories of a baby, you know. So I don't know if he was confused as a baby, you know, who was hurting him. 
because Atlas had said that he thought it was his own mom, but he loved her, but his mom did it, he thought. So I feel like almost that maybe he needed closure in some way that it wasn't his mother who had hurt him because he was like, she didn't, like it wasn't her. I said, no, it was, you know, it was somebody else. So he was seemed relieved when I told him that it wasn't his mom. Wow, that's amazing because that probably, well, I can't say probably, we don't know with any of this, but, you know, that could be the reason why he had the memories. Because I remember in your documentary with Dr. Tucker, Dr. Tucker asked Atlas, what did you think of your mum? And he smiled and he said, she loved me. Yes. He talked about her. He talked about her for a while, that he missed her. He wants to see her. When he very first saw a picture of her, he said, oh, yes, she's beautiful. I love her. I miss her. I want to go visit her. You know, like he really wants to see her. I think after the documentary came out, I had hundreds of Facebook messages and, you know, like everyone was like trying to talk to me and everyone asked me the same thing. Have you talked to Jalen's parents? Have you talked to Jalen's parents? Like, I think everybody asked me that <laughs> so many times I wanted to like, I I wanted to answer them, but I felt like I was a broken record. But um, like I had talked to both of their parents, like both parents, the mom and dad, they're both um, remarried, but they both know about it. But they both are reluctant to like speak with me, you know, right. or visit me. Because when I went to, I'm from Indiana and I actually went to New York to do follow up for the documentary which is where Jalen family is. And they tried to set up for us to meet in the day of, they did not want to. I suppose that's understandable in a way. Yes, it it is really sad. I really feel for Jalen's parents because it's such a traumatic thing. It's bad enough to lose a child, but to have your child murdered and to know that he must have suffered, you know, before he died. I mean, it's just terrible, isn't it? It's just a horrible, horrible thing. And the same for you. There's so many emotions attached to reincarnation and the things that happen. For you, it's confronting because all of a sudden your little boy is talking about having another mum and mm-hmm. and it can be very difficult to go through things like that. And there's also then the issue comes in too of one parent might believe it, one parent doesn't, and then they end up kind of having issues. You know, like there's, there's a lot of flow on effects to it, I find. Oh, yeah, it is very complicated and, you know, there's so many different things going on I think the the little boy that on the Netflix episode that's the case right after mine Ryan um, Hammond yes um me I actually got in contact with his mother and we had talked um and I said there needs to be a support group for moms who have reincarnated children (laughs) like because I feel like there's not a lot of people that understand like our point of view and how we have to deal with things you know I think um, that's an absolutely fantastic idea. Like we need a support group. Like she was giving me advice and it's been a, you know, he's a teenager now and she was giving me advice about, you know, people saying negative things and positive things and things like that. But I well, haven't had too much negativity, not too much. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I hope you don't. I think with Dr. Tucker, he, he does do that. Like he gets approached a lot for people wanting to do cases. I think he did the same thing with Ryan's. He was actually working on that case when someone popped up and said, do you want to do this documentary? And he went, oh, yeah, I'm working on this case now. He kind of does that. He just goes, oh, this is the one I'm working on now. You're free to follow it through. 
So that's probably how he kind of ended up in your lounge room. Yes, it did happen just be a coincidence that they had asked him, we're going to use you in this documentary. And he said, hey, I just found this, this mom from Indiana just wrote me. He was already coming to meet me in person, no, but no documentary crew just to meet us. And I thought that was amazing in itself. Like someone wants to fly here and spend that money, visit me. And then he wrote me back a few weeks later that he was going to push his flight out for another month because he didn't know it was okay if a documentary crew came with him. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have got to clean my house. You know, really nice. <laughs> Where I live, I mean, it's an okay town, but you know, like I'm not wealthy in any means. So I would just thought, oh my gosh, I have to buy a new outfit. My living room needs to be really nice. I had just bought this house like four or five months before the documentary crew came. So I had just been uh, remodeling it. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is stressful. <laughs> well, it looked lovely. I must say, I, I when I first saw the house, I went, oh, what a cute house. That's really sweet. It's a nice, it's nice looking house. So yeah, so I think you did well because it just looked great and you, you didn't look at all flustered by it at all. You did really well. I know. Um, some of my family members were like, you were on that and you didn't even seem nervous. I'm like, I know. <laughs> they were surprised I wasn't nervous, but I've always been a talker. I said, I've been talking my whole life and now I'm, I'm getting on TV for it. <laughs> well, to be able to talk to Jim Tucker too, because Jim Tucker is almost like a celebrity in the reincarnation world. Uh, Dr. Tucker is right. I think you'll probably find as he goes along that Atlas kind of forgets the memories. That he's, it's almost like they get closure. And then once they do, they can start right. to focus on their life. Even when you look at Ryan Hammonds, Ryan Hammonds is, is to me a very interesting young man because he obviously still has great emotion attached to it and he can't think about it without it bringing it all back and he feels sad and he obviously still feels a sense of loss from his last family. But um, even Ryan has done himself. They can sort of then reconcile it and go, okay, now I need to live this life. I um, sometimes feel sad when we were in New York, Atlas, really thought he was going to see her and he felt really sad that he couldn't like if he sees a picture of her I can see that he feels bad because he says I really miss her like I just want to see her you know so I feel bad about you know him not being able to you never know I mean as your story gets out there more and it's more accessible for Karine to actually come across it she may change in time it's a big thing and it's a confronting thing as she goes along, she might sort of realise that, you know, uh, it might be something she wants to do, you know? Mm -hmm. I've talked to both of them, you know, via like Facebook Messenger and stuff. His father at first was like, wow, this is amazing. It's unbelievable. He's messaged me. He told me he's watched the documentary. He's in shock. But, you know, they still have never, I've asked if they wanted to like do a video chat and they're like, oh, I don't know. And then they kind of, they didn't want to, I don't think. And then um, I've had one of Jalen's sisters message me, a grandparent. So I think mean, they have said that they've watched it and they find it interesting. Like they haven't said anything negative about it, but also never nothing to take it forward either. Well, you never know though. I mean, uh, it takes time for people to kind of adjust to things. I'm actually adopted and um, I didn't find out about my adoption information until I was in my 30s. So even though... Kareen and James aren't really ready now things can change people can change so yes I've told them from the get-go because I was so afraid to message them 
because I don't know why, like I knew what he said, but I'm like, I'm so scared to message her and say this, this could hurt her. You know, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want them to think I'm doing this as a joke. You know, I was just very concerned. Like they're going to get upset with me, you know, hi. Um, I'm like, I'm from way over here. And my son's over here, this little white boy <laughs> saying he used to be your son. You know, like, I don't, like, I don't even know how you tell someone that. Like, I was like, I don't even know what to, how, what to type here. You know, I just, so I just wrote, I said, this may come as very shocking. And I don't mean anything by this. I just basically told them what Atlas said. And I said, I just felt I needed to share this with you. And if you would like to speak to me, that's fine. And if you don't, that's fine. I said, but I just wanted to let you know. So that's how I kind of did that. And I'd sent one to the mom and the dad and the dad wrote me back immediately. And it was months later before the mother wrote me back. Yeah. It was kind of this, kind of how I said it. They believe me, but the mom said that she makes herself not think of Jalen and is just really hurtful to think about him. I, I think she has like some PTSD over it, you know? Because she said she tries not to think about it because it hurts too much and stuff like that. Well, I can understand that because the circumstances are terrible. I mean, it wasn't just the fact that Jalen was murdered, which is horrendous enough, but he was murdered by a woman that she trusted and who was a good friend. So, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, okay. how devastating could that be? You know, you, you you trust someone, you think that you know them and you trust them with your most precious, precious thing and, and they do that to you. Like terrible thing to do you know it's just evil isn't it really when you look at it it is it's pretty it's it's awful you know I'm like why how could you do that to a baby you know it's just yeah I mean and he's such a sweet little boy like can you see the photos of him and he was such a sweet little boy mm-hmm. it's just cruel isn't it it's not fair so I can understand um, and that's what I mean in time maybe in time you never know you never know sometimes things happen for a reason and sometimes it takes a long arc but you know hopefully and you never know it too and maybe Jalen's father may actually be the uh the one who sets things in motion right I have recently had someone message me that she said that her mom and her used to babysit Jalen they're a family friend but he has always talked about a he remembers a white dog a small white dog and I think I said it I don't know if I can't remember if it's in the Netflix thing or I've done some radio things. And she said, I wanted to let you know, we're a really close family friend and we babysat Jalen often and we had the small white dog and he loved playing with it. Um, oh, wow. I, I, that was just probably a few weeks ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's awesome. Cause you know, I just like to have the confirmation like that what he said was correct. So I was like, oh, finally, like, I like that it was confirmed. I think part of the problem is too is how much of this is actually true, how much of it can be documented. And that's why when Dr. Tucker came with the photos, that was amazing. He bought photos of the park that he played in in the house and and of his, the mum and the dad. And I think there was another photo. A building that he lived in. Right. And Atlas got five out of five, didn't he? I was actually surprised because I had never even thought to look up their house like I never looked up their address or their house and I have never shown Atlas anything like that so like he had never seen something like that before he had seen a picture of the mother um once but and but how he saw the picture of the mother 
Um, I actually did the same thing kind of like Dr. Tuggery did just to see if he would tell the truth. I found her on Facebook. And so I screenshot it and then I found different African-American women and I kind of put them in a little jumble. And I said, do you know who these women are? And he was like, there's my mom, you know, directly towards her. So, you know, he has always been very matter of fact who these people are. Well, that's amazing, isn't it? The look on his face too, as he was looking at the photos blew me away. Like you could see Mm -hmm. that he was recognizing and showing real pleasure at seeing things like the park and yes. And in that video, I mean, that was my first time ever seeing that. I think I was shocked too, because I mean, I have never seen them see those pictures before. So I was just as shocked during that filming. Just, I couldn't believe it. And we don't have buildings like they have in New York where we live. They have like those large brownstones. Like we don't have things like that here. So like they're not common buildings either, you know, that he saw. You're more like where we live in this sort of a suburban street with just a one level sort of houses kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, here is like Midwestern. So it's not like big city. Like we do live in a city, but it's not like big, big city type. And you mentioned to me just as we were chatting that Atlas also had a bit of an affinity for African-American people. Yes. Um, See, I work at a preschool and my kids all go there with me like when they're younger because he's in elementary school now. But when he was like about two and a half, he was in the classroom and he had an African-American teacher and he would just say, oh, I love her. I love her. She's so pretty. I love her. And I thought it was just funny that he like, oh, he has like a crush on his teacher or something, you know, <laughs> like he was always like, she's so pretty. I love her hair. He was very interested in her hair. And um, that's something he's always said, like my mother had beautiful hair. And, you know, a lot of African-American women have like such diverse hairstyles, you know, they do so much with her hair. And I think that's like something he was talking about, you know, when he saw this teacher and he was like, I love her hair. It's so beautiful. And then he said, when I grow up, I want to be black so I can marry Miss Tarche. And <laughs> I said, Atlas, you don't have to be black to marry someone who is black. He said, you don't? <laughs> I said, yes, you can have white skin and marry someone who's black skin. He said, oh, wow. Like he was very excited about that. I said, you, you don't have to change your skin color. <laughs> and then there was another time where we were at a grocery store and the lady checking us was African-American and he, she is so beautiful. You know, he said that too. And I was like, well, he likes African-American girls. <laughs> I think you're seeing a bit of a presentience to the future. I've got a feeling he might have a, an African-American girlfriend there. <laughs> Well, he's in first grade now, and he has a crush on an African-American girl in his classroom. I'm like, I said, you marry whoever makes you happy. I said, but you don't have to change. (laughs) Oh, that's lovely. So we've talked a lot about like the emotion that's attached to it all and the, the feelings that are attached to going through all this. Do you think this has sort of given you anything that you'd like to share in the way of advice to parents who might be, you know, going through this? Um, I would say that you should always listen to them and don't ever say like, well, that's not true. You know, don't talk like that. You know, even my mom said, you know, don't talk like that. When I, when I die, I, I want to become a dog. But I remember her distinctly getting on to me for saying such a thing. You know, you shouldn't just discredit them. Like, that's not true. You're lying. Cause then they're never going to talk to you about anything, you know, anything that they find important. They're like, well, my mom just shuts me down, you know? And 
all children, you know, I work with children and I always try to listen to everything they have to say because when they talk, they want to be heard and they think what they have to say is important. You should just listen to them. And I think you would discover a lot more if you listen to them. So Actually, I, too, that's a very good point that for them, these memories are obviously very real and they're very traumatic. So if you actually do shut your child down, you're basically teaching them that, you know, they can't come to you for if they have big right. problems. Yeah, a big problem. I have a lot of trainings um, in child abuse and things like that. And that's actually something that you're taught is to not shut them down. Because if you start shutting down or disbelieving them, they will not tell you things anymore. They will not want to talk to you. You're not someone they think they can come to and they should be able to tell their parents anything. I've always learned that. So I just listened to them and thought, well, that's crazy. I have a family member who said, well, if my kids said that, I just wouldn't have talked about it because I had mentioned how they have not said anything about the documentary or anything. And they said, well, I don't really believe in that. And if one of my boys said that, I would have just ignored them or I wouldn't have asked anything else about it. You know, got to say, then I feel sorry for their kids as they're growing up, because that means anything that doesn't fit the standard family dynamic, is not going to be very easy to talk about. I hope they don't grow up gay or, so you know, it's interesting. I'm like, OK, you know, and I I come from a very religious family. Um, my mom is very supportive. Um, she's probably my number one fan for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, her and my brother are pretty supportive, but pretty much no one else in my family has ever discussed it. Like, wow. Ever. Not even since the doctor. No, no. I don't think they even watched it. My uncle and my grandfather they're all pastors so very religious and they don't they don't want to think about that or talk about it my mom has been number one though (laughs) ah your mom sounds lovely that's so sad I'm sorry that you've had that kind of a negative feedback in a sense because well I mean my family's been that way but pretty much all my work co-workers and friends everyone else has been great so I mean it's just them really so well, that gives me hope, actually. It means that maybe people are becoming a bit more open to the idea of it because when I grew up, as I, I grew up in a small country town too, and I mean, like, <laughs> you, were, you were a nut if you believed in reincarnation. So I just didn't oh, yeah. talk about it either. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have discussed it. I mean, I remember as a teenager, I was reading a book about Buddhism and my mom, she has really grown from then, but I remember she was so upset with me about reading a book about Buddhism. And I was just curious, what, what is this, what is this about? And she said, you should never question religion. You know, she was very like that. But my mom, she actually had a near-death experience, which made her um, just be more open and chill out about things, you know? Oh, wow. So, that's amazing. I know. <laughs> so she had a, an incident where she was in a car accident and she nearly died. And it just so happened, like, it was just, there was a traveling trauma nurse driving right behind her car and was saw my mom's car swerving because my mom fainted at the wheel and oh. flipped her car and when the car wrecked you know she was able to give her medical attention and so this that was interesting but so ever since then my mom kind of like her life kind of changed and she's been a lot different <laughs> like she was a very strict religious parent growing up you know and now she's like oh yeah 
she's all about reincarnation and Atlas's story and all that. So she's like, it's just funny how I got in trouble for reading a book about Buddhism when I was little. So, <laughs> Well, that's what I mean about life can change your mindset and your perspective as you go along. Because I think people do experience something like that and you can't then change back. Did she ever tell you about the near-death experience? Well, she said that she felt like she was watching herself in her car. I mean, her car flipped upside down on a highway and it actually took the top of her car and it sounds horrible, but it basically scalped her head, which is really gruesome. Yes. So you, she had like her skull was open, like showing. Um, so she was treated as a burn victim. She had like skin grafts and stuff like that. Um, but she says her car was upside down and dead and the, she remembers, she felt like she was looking down at firemen trying to get her out of her car. And like, she remembers like looking down at her body, you know, being like trying to get pulled out of the car. And then she went right back down. Like it was just a quick, she saw herself and then she came to, cause then she remembers being put into an ambulance. But she said she remembers like looking at the scene from above, like, and so that's, she said it was like a short thing. And, but it was just, she's just felt like it was also um, necessary for her to have this accident. I know it sounds interesting, but because um, she changed her life after that, you know, she made a lot of different life changes um, because of the, the nurse happened to be right behind her who like my mom was from, is from Indiana and she was actually driving to, she was two states away. And this woman lived in South Carolina and she just happened to be in the state. So they're both from different states, you know, having to be right next to each other on the highway, which you just felt like was kind of like fate. And um, like her and the nurse have both kept in contact because they felt like it was just such an interesting experience, I guess. Life-changing for both of them. Yes, you know, because she said she just saw my mom's car swerve and she thought something was wrong. And so she stayed right behind my mom's car because she thought something was happening, you know. And they never found out why, like my mom even fainted she doesn't know you know she said she just remembers driving and then she's in, a, in an ambulance you know so she she didn't normally have faints or anything like that um she has like low blood sugar but that was the only time we've ever known her to faint but she's had been good on it for years you know like keeping her blood sugar you know you know right so she doesn't have episodes so they, they couldn't say what was the problem they don't know they were tested her for like everything you know, like did you have a stroke, a heart attack, everything? You know, they could not find a reason why she fainted, but she just blacked out. One thing that fascinates me about reincarnation is synchronicity, where things happen and they seem to happen with a logical coincidence kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, I, I agree with you. It almost is, sometimes it's almost like you can see the kind of the workings of the universe behind it a little bit when you look at it. Yeah. I, I think that's what she's just, that's what just changed her. She just felt like she couldn't believe all the things that went together to make it happen. And also there was like a youth group, like a van with a bunch of children, like going to a youth group type of convention. And they all stopped and they all sat around my mom and prayed for her. Like it was just random, you know, but she's like, it was just a really weird event that happened. And she's like, never been the same since, but in a good way. She's like, she changed jobs. She went to college she was like six years old you know so people do often describe that that when they've gone through a near-death experience their life completely changes 
like how she was a, as a grandma towards my children. I'm like, you definitely weren't like that when you were my mom, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> it's interesting that she went through that and then now Atlas has had this happen. So, you know, it's almost like you needed a supporter in your camp. I know this is a lot talking and all this, but I don't think I had mentioned, I don't think they put it in the documentary either, that actually Atlas had drowned before he remembered his uh, past life. Really? Um, yes, but it was had almost been one, it's like nine months before he said it. So they didn't know if it was like connected in some way because he had had an experience in which is also traumatizing to me. I'm terrified of my kids swimming now. But we were in a friend's pool and he was in the pool with me in a little inner tube. And I was like talking to somebody outside the pool. And I just heard a noise and I looked down and Atlas is in the bottom of the pool, unconscious, blue lips. I was terrified. Like, I think I had trauma from it forever. I think I just screamed. I went and got him. I remember just throwing him onto the side of the pool. And I, I was just like in shock. I just stared at him. And I just remember thinking, I can't believe my son is going to die today. Like, I just remember thinking, my God, in that quick of time, I was just looking at him and he flipped out of the tube. And then I realized, you know, we've had CPR and first aid training for years. (laughs) I just remember saying, I know what to do. Cause like my friends were kind of looking at him and I was just in shock. Like, and I just went over there and I just started CPR on him and resuscitated him and he coughed his water up and opened his eyes and I remember just I think I just bawled and bawled and bawled I was crying you know and I took him to the emergency room and you know he stayed there to get checked out and he was okay but he was terrified of water forever and now and I'm now panicky like I do not want them to go swimming and I'm like everyone has to wear a life jacket and I'm like really paranoid (laughs) But um, I don't know if that also could have triggered something. So I, I don't know. The memory of nearly dying in this life triggered the memory of dying as Jalen, maybe. Yes, I think there's just a lot of connections. I have a um, Facebook page, you know, for Atlas Past Life Memories, um, just because I had so many people contacting me to ask me questions. I kind of was like, just go to this page and kind of like have questions answered already so people can like you know read it (laughs) and they could always ask me anything you know Um, because people are curious and I'm always very open to talk to people about it you know so Um, what's the most common question you get asked about it the very most common is have you ever talked to Jalen's parents that's probably the number one thing (laughs) I've been asked that I mean when I was at work everyone's coming have you ever talked to Jalen's parents have you ever talked to Jalen's parents I'm like yeah I just felt like I was repeating myself all day and so that one, and then um, does he still talk about it, which is sometimes, like, does he forgotten about it? I'm actually going to ask you that because he actually didn't speak about it until five, which is quite late. Usually kids are starting to forget their memories around then. Um, right. So he, do, he does still talk about it? or um, He brought it up on his own, you know, for a little bit and then stopped. And then I realized it has been like five or six months and that we've not discussed this. And so I said, do you still remember Jalen? Like I kind of just once in a while will bring it up to see if he's forgotten. He will be seven next week. And um, sorry, I'm having poor children. I'm like when's his birthday? <laughs> next week he'll be seven. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he's kind of 
like I think he just remembers what he has said you know like he watched the documentary so he will recite he'll say what he said in the documentary but there's nothing new you know like it's not a new memory it's like maybe he just has the memory of saying it or talking about it I don't know if that makes sense like I don't think he has a Jalen memory but I think he has the Atlas memory of talking about Jalen but I tell people that I'm like it's a Jalen memory you know an Atlas memory I know exactly what you mean though I think they don't have the memories anymore but they have the memory of having the memory it's been a, a long time since he has seen pictures of the family so I kind of just pulled them up again and he said oh that's my mom and dad you know and he still said he recognized them as Jalen's mom and dad so he he recognized who they were and things like that and see like when he was first remembering he said I remember I had sisters and brothers but I don't know their names you know if Jalen was 19 months old he may have not known their names or called them sissy or you know on Green's Facebook page she has an old photo of when Jalen was a baby and they have a family photo like a, with his sisters and brothers because I think he was the youngest of six when I showed him the family photo he's like oh my sisters and my brother because he had said he had sisters before so he says like we're looking at him he remembers them but like his sister now who is way older he does not recognize that picture he only recognizes the picture from when you know when she's a child he says he does so I think that was part of the thing for Ryan Hammonds as well, that they didn't really cover in the documentary that you were in, but Ryan wanted to catch up with her. But I think for Ryan, the difficulty was he had no connection with his daughter now because she was a grown and older lady. And he, as a little boy, remembered her as being a little girl. Yeah. The sister talked to me and he didn't know who she was. And But if I show an old, old picture of her this there's just one family photo on her page I show it to him he remembers that so yeah I don't know it's just it's just interesting it's just, it is um, interesting and I'm actually kind of glad to hear that he sort of is forgetting it and going on because as Dr Tucker says well he didn't say it this way but we are meant to be in this life to live this life so I think it's actually good that he's obviously feeling closure and you've handled it so beautifully you really have. I mean, you, the way he spoke on the documentary was amazing. He was just so open and willing to talk about it. And that's all down to you. So well done. You did right. a great job in a very difficult I, situation. It is very difficult. Like I said, complicated. There's so many little things that you wouldn't think are complicated, but they are. And um, I've had a lot of people saying like, wow, you did such a great job. You know, you did a good job being his mom doing that. And I'm just like, I just did what I felt like most moms would do, I guess. Like, I've had a lot of people like praise me, like, like, you know, letting my son say stuff like that. I'm like, shouldn't everyone let their kids say what they think or, you know, what they remember? But I've gotten a lot more positive feedback, really. I mean, I've had a few, like I said, my family not really saying negative things and not really saying anything at all. Like they don't discuss it. And um, I've had a few people say that that's probably just made up. I'm like, okay, like that's kind of weird. Like, how could you make all that up? Well, I, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't remember as a young kid ever really even talking about death or murder. I can remember actually when I realized that we die, I think I was about six or seven and I was horrified. I was actually terrified because I realized that there's nothing I could do about it, that one day I was going to die. But I mean, before that point, I hadn't even come across the concept and I certainly hadn't come across the concept of murder. Yeah. I'm like, why would he start saying someone murdered him? 
And the fact that he just made details of names and that he was a different race. Like it was just a lot for him to be making up. So not only that, I found it really interesting that he knew that he was Jalen Robinson. He knew his mum was Corrine Washington and that his dad had a different surname. Like that's a very complicated I know. Like that to me still, I don't know how I knew that because he couldn't remember like his brother and sister's name. But he somehow like I almost like, how did you know that? How I don't I honestly don't know. Like it's how would you know that they had different last names as a baby? But maybe it's something he had to tell me so I could look it up because that's what it clicked that he said the two last names and they were there in the obituary, you know. But I don't I don't know. I don't know how he knows that. <laughs> that's it, isn't it? That well that to me that's that's really proof. It's actually really good that he knew the names. Most kids don't your name when you think about it is the most important thing in your life. But mm-hmm. <laughs> in another life, if I'm trying to recall it, I probably won't remember my name for Toffee. It's quite strange. It's the one thing that most people I, don't remember. So I know. And he had told me when I think it was probably days and days later after this reincarnation story, and I had just told a few people, my mom. Um, as actually dating someone at the time, I'm engaged right now to somebody else, but the person I was dating, we actually broke up shortly after this, not, this is the main reason, but he was like, Atlas is lying. He's making it up. And he did not believe me and thought it was ridiculous that I was looking into it and it wasn't the main reason, but, uh, we ended up breaking up shortly after that, but he did not think it was interesting at all. And he's like, this is just made up. He just wants attention, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa goodbye i think you made the right uh, choice with the goodbye because i right yeah getting <laughs> my kid lying he's making this up for attention like who who does that oh i died once who says that um, not only that you can see as dr tucker said in the documentary the thing that impressed me the most about atlas was he was just so open so honest and he was just talking about it like he was talking about any other memory like it's nonchalant normal conversation you know it's just when i was jailing See, I have a son, he's 13 and a half, about 14. And so he was old enough to kind of understand what he was saying. I remember it was probably days later, we were sitting on my bed and he was like, he was asking him questions because he was just fascinated. He used to be somebody else. What about Jalen? Do you remember? You know, he was trying to ask him all the questions. I kept saying like, don't, don't keep asking him all these questions. You're going to confuse him, you know, because he was just fascinated by it. I think we we're all just like amazed by it. To be honest, I think we're really at the start of a cast of seeing a lot more cases like atlases because when you think about it in the past the problem has always been proving who this person is and even in ryan hammond's case which he proved 50 points it was extremely difficult for them to find who he was in the first place you know to to verify some of the facts because not much was written about but now with this modern social media and everybody's on social media everyone's got a backstory that's everywhere i think we're going to find a lot more cases that are easily provable that is um, what I talked about on my other podcast with Todd Fisher. He was saying that he has the theory basically saying like, you know, we could have past life memories, but they are so far away. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe with someone who is from 300 years ago, you know, so the more distant the person who died to us, the less memory maybe. And he was saying, and then like the closer, like Jalen and Atlas are in the same like lifetime, you know? in like people having like the person who died being closer to them they only died 20 years ago and so you're able to look up look them up more and reference with them more because and maybe he said now he thinks people will be reincarnated with people from not so long ago and will start having more memories 
because of internet and, you know, social media and we could talk to their families because it said it's rare to be able to find their families, like in their relatives to confirm things. So he thinks that it'll become more popular as well. Well, I, th- I think they'll be become more provable because if you think if you've got a life even from, say, the 1800s or the 1700s, that's not really that long ago. But because they didn't document anything, unless you were famous back then, you're not going to be able to find anything about that life. So I think what we're going to find now is because, you know, like everybody gets on Facebook and everybody gets on social media and people are talking about, especially deaths, people are talking about, you know, a traumatic deaths that are happening all over the world. We're hearing about deaths that happen that we never would have heard about when I was growing up because they were so far away. Whereas now it's all documented. Right. I believe so. And having to talk about it, you know, and answer questions, you know, I, I want people to hear the story and just realize like, I'm just a normal person. Like, you know, I'm just, it could happen to anybody if you just listen. Well, it's amazing when you talk in the Facebook forums and things uh, that how many people say, oh, my kid said when he was a baby, he was a doctor or that, you know, he used to change my nappies when I was his age sort of thing. I think that, as you say, we all have these memories and they're all there and they're a lot more common, but uh, we just uh, don't basically remember them very early on. Whereas I think people like Atlas actually remember them for longer because of the trauma. Yes, I've thought just in my own thoughts you know maybe the traumatic ones are what they they stick more you know maybe just the traumatic deaths like you don't always always hear of these reincarnation stories like oh I died from cancer or you know I died of old age but it's a lot of times it does seem to be more of like a tragic death yeah you do actually hear sometimes of people dying from illness but um on the whole you're right it's usually a traumatic memory or it's a life you you're bringing forward feelings of an unfinished life you know like um maybe maybe for atlas it was the feeling of his mum doing it so that he needed to work that out in his head and i really hope that um somewhere along the line you can catch up with the family just for for their sake and also for atlas i i hope that uh there's peace to be had and uh closure for all sides i feel so sorry for them Mm -hmm. i do too and i always just i've told them um i no pressure, you know, ball is in your court. I will let you guys do with it how you want to. You know, I'm not pressuring you to do anything. I always said, I'm always going to be here. You can always talk to us whenever you feel ready. And so that's how I've left it with them. Yeah, well, hopefully they do. I send them love. I hope they're happy and finding peace in their lives. Thank you so, so much, Erica. This has been just amazing. I really appreciate it. Oh, yes. I appreciate you contacting me and letting me be on your show it makes it so interesting everyone wants to hear about it <laughs> there are a lot of people out there I mean when you have people who tell you that you're making it up or you're doing it for money or whatever just ignore them because there's a lot of people out there who believe the same as I do we believe in it we recognize it and hopefully right. you're being brave enough to talk about it will actually increase people's knowledge about it and you know maybe change some of that I hope right I try to tell a lot of people I'm not trying to change anybody you know I'm not here to like force beliefs you know I'm just saying what happened you know and you choose to do with that information what you want I'm just a preschool teacher I do not have a lavish lifestyle so (laughs) (laughs) that's it isn't it you're just sort of getting the word out there and I think it's because when you go through something like this you do see how how difficult it can be 
I'm hoping in time people will be a lot more accepting about it. I think they will, you know, because so many people have already been positive about this and I heard a lot of people coming to me telling me stories that they've heard and past lives. I think a lot of people are more interested in it than from, I don't know, when I was younger, I never really heard of it. So neither did I. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like really in a way, people like you coming forward and being brave enough to talk about it, you know, you're changing the world. So thank you really, because without your bravery, you know, we wouldn't have cases to talk about and we wouldn't be able to get the word out. Well, I've always been one to voice my opinions. And so I'm like, at least it happened to me because I'll tell everybody. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll keep in touch with you. And I'd love to hear how Atlas gets on and what he does with his life. Okay. Um, I will keep you updated. Oh, that'd be lovely. Thanks so much, Erica. Thank you so much. I fully recommend that you watch episode six of Surviving Death, which can be currently watched on Netflix. The first episode's also worth a watch if you're into near-death experiences, and the second half of episode five is interesting too, as Dr. Chris Kerr talks about his experiences with end-of-life visions from people who are dying. But the other episodes, I'll leave up to your discretion. However, the episode with Atlas is amazing. To talk about these things is interesting enough, but to be able to see Atlas talking about it and to see his facial expressions as he talks to Jim Tucker, to see Erica herself talking about it, and it's always a great pleasure to watch Jim Tucker at work, so it's well worth a look and I can highly recommend it. You heard Erica say in the interview that she approached Corrine and James about Atlas's memories and that both parents weren't really keen to make contact with Erica. So I would ask my listeners to please respect their wishes and their preference for privacy as they deal with the loss of their son. Grief is a very personal and private journey and it's not something that can be forced or rushed and they may never wish to confront the concept of Atlas's memories and that's entirely their right that we as the outsiders must accept and embrace. And finally, to provide you with the outcome of the trial of Jalen's murder, on the 11th of June 2007, which is two years after Jalen's murder, Tammy Williams pleaded guilty as part of a plea deal to reduce her sentence and to protect her 11-year-old daughter from having to testify in court against her own mother. Williams was facing the possibility of 25 years, but her sentence was reduced to 17 years because of the plea deal. Her defence lawyer, Peter Guadagnino, told Justice Reichbach she's very sorry, I'm sure if she could give up a part of herself, to bring Jalen back he means, she would. In a victim impact statement read out to the court, Corrine Washington wrote, You are our worst nightmare. You took something so precious from us. No longer will we hear his little feet running down the hall or read him a story. Glenda Milner, Jalen's aunt, read her statement saying, I wish you life imprisonment because you left us a life without him. 17 years is not enough. There are no winners in a situation like this. Tammy Williams not only took the life of a loved little boy, she destroyed Corrine, James and her own life as well. And she left her own daughter to grow up without her mother. And I find myself asking how this senseless tragedy occurred in the first place. We can only assume that stress was having a huge impact on Tammy's reasoning at the time. 
If only she'd rung the parents to ask them to pick up their son. And this could all have been different. It is a chilling reminder of the consequences of every action we take, and it's a cautionary tale of recognising when we need help. There is no shame in asking for help. Everybody has to lean sometimes, and the consequences of ignoring that need can spread out to all of the people around us like the ripples from a pond, changing lives forever. So if you're feeling stressed or like you can't cope, contact your GP. Contact the national emergency number in your area and tell them how you're feeling. I'll put a link on my Facebook page to a Wikipedia page I found that has a comprehensive list of the emergency contacts and supports all over the world. But if you can't access that or your computer crashes, tell a friend. Tell a neighbour. Tell them you're not coping. There's always another way to deal with things rather than resorting to catastrophic and irreversible measures. Reach out and find the services in your area so that you can get help. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We appreciate you joining us for this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation or if you can relate any of your own past life experiences, I'd love to hear about them and I can be contacted through my email at reincarnationplr at gmail.com or via my Facebook page called Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember, you are unique and your life has a purpose.